Could the tree that Moses cast into the water be a picture of Christ? Often in this life, we find that joy can turn into bitterness in just a few days. And we may feel that we're unable to go on, but Jesus can take that bitterness of life away. And he did so through his death upon the cross. He took our sins upon the cross that we might be set free to make life sweet for those who trust in him. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. We're looking at Exodus chapters 15 and 16 tonight. I titled the overall study, Manna. And we're going to see two big events that play into... Uh, the life of Christ, uh, as far as symbolically, can play into the life of Christ. And we'll point those out. But here in Exodus 15, we have the chapter that I titled Mara. And that is a Hebrew word that means bitter or bitterness. And then in chapter 16, we have the bread from heaven. And so we'll be looking at these two major events so statute and ordinance, picking up in verses, verse 25 again through 27. There he made a statute and ordinance for them, and there he tested them. He said, if you diligently heed my voice, the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord God who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 wells of water, 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the water. So God tested them there at Marah, where a tree that was cast into the waters made the water sweet. And God continued to test them. And the test was obedience. If you will obey my commandments and keep my statutes, then God promised none of these diseases which came upon the Egyptians will come upon you. And he gave them rest after the bitter waters. God gave them a place to refresh an oasis of Elim. And there, there were 12 wells, I guess one for every tribe of Israel and 70 palm trees. So they had water and shade trees. Hosea 6, 1 and 2 tells us, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn 
but he will heal. He is stricken, but he binds us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. On the third day, and on the third day, they came to this place of refreshing. Could the tree that Moses cast into the water be a picture of Christ? Often in this life, we find that joy can turn into bitterness in just a few days. And we may feel that we're unable to go on, but Jesus can take that bitterness of life away. And he did so through his death upon the cross. He took our sins upon the cross that we might be set free to make life sweet for those who trust in him. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. It may be that we would sing praises to Jesus in both the bitter and sweet times, seasons of our lives. So chapter 16, now the manna. Key verse, verse 31. And the house of Israel called its name manna. And it was white like coriander seed. And the taste of it was like made with honey. Before they get to the manna, the Lord takes them through the wilderness of sin. And I've always found the name of that wilderness interesting. Especially understanding what sin means in the Bible. So verses 1 through 3, all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month, after they departed from the land of Egypt, then the whole congregation of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, and we sat by the pots of meat when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. It was water was the issue initially. Now it's meat, it's bread, it's food. It's about a month and a half later after they made it into the promised land and they complain again to Moses and Aaron. And they dream about life before God redeemed them. They were slaves in Egypt, and they were dreaming about the positive things of slavery. It's like many uh, prisoners, men and women who go into the prison system in the United States, other parts of the world as well, they get accustomed to the three square meals a day. And they get out of prison, and they don't know how to live on the outside. They, some commit crimes so they can get back in prison because they get accustomed to life of bondage. Had they already forgotten about the sting of the overlord's whips on their backs? Had they forgotten how the Lord had spared them from the effects of the most of the plagues that came against the Egyptians, especially how the Lord redeemed their firstborn that night when all the firstborn of both man and beast died of the Egyptians, Israel's, every one of them was spared. And yet they rebelled again. Psalm 78, 17, and 18. But they sinned even more against him 
In the wilderness of sin, they sinned even more. Makes sense to me. But they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. They tested God in their hearts by asking for the food of their fancy, the flesh pots of Egypt. I just don't envision that it was all that great. But they were in a desperate place. And a month and a half after being redeemed, they were ready to turn back. So verses 4 through 15, but picking up in verses 4 and 5, we have bread from heaven. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they will prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they had gathered daily. And upon hearing their complaints, God informed Moses that he was going to rain down bread from heaven. Israel was to gather this bread daily, except for the seventh day. We have the first mention of the Sabbath rest here. But on the sixth day, they were to gather twice as much. It says that in another place. They were to prepare on that sixth day all the food that they would need for the seventh day. There's an interesting thing that we'll get to as we get into this. It seems that no matter what they collected, they collected a little bit or a lot, and it was always sufficient for the need that they had. So God just kind of made a miracle out of the collection of the manna. In Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and 3, Moses writes 40 years later about this time. He says, you shall remember what the Lord has done for you, how God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commands or not. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger. He fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Does that sound familiar? Jesus spoke those same words, Deuteronomy 8, 3, when Satan tempted him after 40 days, not 40 years, but 40 days. So we have this similarity between the two situations. Jesus went 40 days in the wilderness fasting. Israel would spend 40 years in the wilderness being tested by God. But Satan came tempting in that very first temptation, as we know was that of turning stone into bread and the Lord saying, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from my father's mouth. So we keep on reading verses 6 through 12. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, at evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. Apparently they don't know this yet. God's done a lot for them, but they needed to see it again. In the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you shall complain against us? Verse 8, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, in the morning bread to the full, for the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him and what we are. 
Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Moses spoke to Aaron, say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass. As Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So God somehow revealed himself, made his presence known, in the Shekinah glory cloud, if that's not a miracle enough to see, cloud by day, fire by night, God made himself seen by the children of Israel. There was an acknowledgement of God there in the cloud, and they saw the Lord speak to Moses. So it was 13 through 15. Quails came up at evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of the dew lifted, there was on the surface of the wilderness a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is bread which the Lord has given you to eat. That evening, quails and covered the camp. In the morning, as the dew burned off, the desert floor was covered with small, mysterious wafers that became known to the psalmist as the bread of heaven. In Psalm 78, 27 and 28, he rained meat on them like the dust, feathered fowl like the sands of the sea. And he let them fall in the midst of their camp all around their dwelling. Psalm 105, 40, the people asked and he brought quail. He satisfied them with the bread of heaven. So there's a law to the manna. And it takes us almost through the remainder of the chapter, verses 16 through 31. But God gave them a commandment on how they should... This would be for the next 40 years of their life, this bread from heaven. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather according to each one's need. One omer for each person, according to the number of his persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. And when they measured it out by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over. He who gathered had no lack. So there seems to be the faithfulness of the gathering. God provided the exact amount that they needed. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any until morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. But some left parts until the morning and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning Every man according to his need, and when the sun became hot, it melted. So God tested Israel by this. In the wilderness wanderings for 40 years, this would be the process. In the morning, as the dew lifted off, the manna was there. You, have you ever been out, maybe on a, a grass, dewy grass morning, and how quickly that burns off? I mean, you, you have to be out and about pretty quick. 
But they were every morning to go out and to gather. God was testing them. And the law of the manna, not to leave any until the morning. If they left it, it was their trouble. It's like, what stinks? Well, left some of the manna again. Guess I won't do that again. So the Believer's Bible Commentary, the uniqueness of this bread and the sufficiency of it, they wrote, no matter how much or how little they gathered, seeking to approximate an omer, they always had enough and never too much. This suggests that the sufficiency of Christ to meet every need of all his people and the result is achieved when Christians share with those who are in need, that God provides and the needs are always met. So 22 through 26, and it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, and all the rulers of the congregation came to Moses. Moses talking to them. This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is the Sabbath rest, the first mention of that. We do know that God rested on the uh, seventh day of creation, but now it's a law being put into place. Tomorrow is the Sabbath rest, the holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want today, boil what you will, lay it up for yourselves, all that remains, and it will be kept in the morning. And they laid it up till the morning as the Lord commanded. It did not stink, did not have any worms in it, both good things. And Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath before the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there shall be none. So they were to make their preparations. To this day in Israel, they make that preparation the day before. In Israel, it's, if you ever get to go, it might be difficult these days, but on the Sabbath day, there's, uh, if you're in a hotel that has an elevator, more than one elevator, one elevator runs and stops at every floor because you can't do any work on the Sabbath day. We'll get into the Sabbath law about that. But it runs continuously because in the Orthodox Jewish mind, if they push the button, it creates a spark. They're making fire. Thus, they are creating work. So they just let them run. And they do many things like that. And we'll talk more about that when we get into the actual law of the Sabbath rest. But here it would soon be codified in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And yet some people attempted to go out on the seventh day. Some people never learn. God said, don't keep it till the morning. It won't stink. Well, look at that. It stinks and it has worms in it now. Probably the same people that had the stinky bread in their house went out on the seventh day looking for a meal. In verse 27 through 31, now it happened some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my law? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives it to you on the sixth day, bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The house of Israel called its name manna. It literally means what or what is it? Manna. It is like white coriander seed, the taste of it like wafers made with honey. 
Psalmist again, talking about this, Psalm 78, 24, and 25, he rained down manna on them to eat and gave them the bread of heaven. Men ate angels' food. This is a real angel food cake here, not the kind that we make today. And he sent them food to the full. So we close out with the testimony for a future generation. Moses said, this is the thing the Lord which he has commanded you to do. Fill an omer with it. Keep it for your generations that they may see the bread which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a pot and put an omer of manna in it and lay it up before the Lord to be kept in the generations as the Lord commanded Moses. So Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. So despite their disobedience, God still blessed them. Hey, Papa, what's that jar you got on the mantle? Well, let me show you what's inside here. Man, I wish we could find. They might one day, I said last week, discover a couple of uh, Jewish, Egyptian mummified Jewish men. And we know as Jacob and Joseph, who were both mummified in Egypt and buried in Israel. One day you may hear that they discover a couple of uh, Egyptian mummies in Israel. When they do, we'll know. We'll know. We'll be able to point right to it. And maybe one day they'll uncover an Omar, whatever the size that is. The Ark of the Covenant, wherever that might be, has that testimony there as well. So the bread of heaven, we find some similarities here. Jesus said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. So manna came to Israel while they were in the wilderness of sin. Jesus came and dwelt among us to give his life as a ransom for our sins. The Israelites were to gather manna early before the sun grew hot. And it's good to begin each day. In prayer and devotion to God, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And maybe we got the prayers of our meals a little backwards. Pray at the beginning of the day, and when he provides, thank him for the provision of that day. Each one had to gather the manna according to their need, and were each responsible to seek the Lord's salvation. Each one measured out according to God's standard, when they measured it out according to God's standard, it was always sufficient to satisfy each one's need. And Jesus always satisfies those who put their trust in him. On the seventh day, they were to rest from gathering the manna. They were to spend the day with family, spend the day in worship as we should, our Sabbath, a Sunday for us in a similar way take time to worship the Lord, spend time with our families. And eating the manna kept Israel alive for 40 years. Partaking of Jesus keeps us alive forevermore. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. John six forty-eight through 50. Let's go ahead and stand up. Mara, bitterness. 
And sometimes we get in bitter situations in our lives, and our, even our hearts can get bitter. But Jesus Christ was hung on that tree. For Moses, it was a tree that he cast into the bitter water to make them sweet. Jesus was hung on a tree that we might find forgiveness of our sin, that our bitterness might be taken away. And the manna, the bread of life, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, that one may eat of it and not die. And Father, I pray that that would be our prayer this night, Lord, that we would eat of that manna in the spiritual sense, Lord, receive you as our Savior. And for those of us, Lord, who know you as Savior, forgive us, Lord, for those bitter times. Forgive us, forgive us Lord, when we drift into the wilderness of sin. Forgive us, Lord, when we murmur and complain. And help us, Lord, to pray each day. Give us this day our daily bread. So bless us, Lord, this evening. Be with those, Lord, who are sick and infirmed. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Thank you.